Are you enjoying this free audiobook from Scribble.com? You may not know that Scribble has much more than just free audiobooks. Audiobooks, ebooks, we're adding new titles all the time. You can skip these ads and get higher quality audio files by purchasing audiobooks on Scribble. Even better, every audiobook you buy from Scribble comes with the ebook at no additional charge. Visit us at scribble.com. That's S C R I B L dot com. Now, back to the show. Chapter 5 How can the spirit of the earth like the white man? Everywhere the white man has touched it, it is sore. Winter, holy woman. Ralph used all the tools he had available in his small, underfunded office to find the truth behind the killings. His tools included microscopes, chemicals, and scalpels, as well as intuition. He'd already been in touch with the Onondaga County Health Department to review some of the details of the case with Dr. Rob Faraday, a fellow graduate of Syracuse University way back in the 60s. Luckily, he'd sent all the evidence he could cull from the bodies with the help of the detectives. Hair and fabric samples, blood and other fluid, photos of the injuries, and tissue samples all went up to the center because he just wanted to get a second opinion from a doctor in a facility he trusted. So far, no calls came in, and the waiting was the most frustrating part, especially when the mayor and Colton were asking for information and updates almost hourly. His assistant had prepared the pathology reports on the bodies, and he'd reviewed them, but there was not much to tell. The cause of death in all cases was the same, death by homicide strangulation until the victim became unconscious and then stabbing 10 to 14 times about the trunk of the body. The stabbing seemed to be somewhat ritual in nature, considering the placement was about the same for each victim, and like a hunter the idea is to bleed the body. Similar fibers and hair, not human, found at all locations were sent to Rob to help examine. There was a strong feeling among both the interns that this was a vengeance killing and Ralph agreed. Although that was not his job determining motive, that was Colton's job, he shared the opinion anyway. Ralph sucked in on the remains of a joint, a roach, and held the harsh smoke in his lungs like a pro. It was early, but work had been hectic lately with all the murders in the rain, so he decided they all needed some time off. Ralph had nowhere to go since the rain precluded him from enjoying all his favorite spots in the mountains and rivers and woods. He sat in his office, feet up on his desk, and smoked the remains of a joint he'd lit the night before. He realized the obvious danger and irony, but Carlton knew that Ralph enjoyed a little smoke once in a while. In fact, that was what attracted Ralph to Canyon Park over 30 years ago, when the town had been looking for a new assistant for the old man, Dr. Noah Mendel. Back then, Noah only hired other Jews, and since most of the applicants at the time were Asian, he latched onto Ralph despite his lack of experience. Ralph landed his dream job in a dream town. Since, Eden has withered. 
As medical examiner with a local embalming business and funeral home, Ralph built a nice life for himself, dealing in local death that consisted of nothing more than fatal accidents, natural failures of the body, some suicides, and perhaps a smattering of murders between drunks, a few cases of abuse, and a couple of temporary insanity cases. He'd probably been in court a handful of times and considered himself a conscientious objector in most things political around Canyon Park, especially where the Lalo family was concerned. He'd managed to stay a few feet off-center, enjoyed a little weed and lots of nature hikes, an obsession for all these years. He let out the smoke. Relief filled his head with the first haze of the coming high. It was not the same since the rain began. Ralph was as left as they came and proud of it. He was what his nephews called crunchy granola. Those black-clad teens shared some of the same political leanings that he had believed in when he was a teen, but their taste in music and style leaned too far into the grotesque for Ralph's tastes. He liked wearing shorts and hiking boots with a plaid shirt. If it was too cold for shorts, then he wore khakis or jeans. Ralph only owned suits for weddings, funerals, and court appearances, but he hated to wear them. He sucked in one last toque. For over a month now, the rain prevented him from enjoying the beauty outside the fringes of the town. He'd been stuck among the buildings and roads, not touching the unspoiled outer country past the factories and farms. Out there, time melted away, and he could be in any time since he had arrived in Canyon Park. He could be a young, long-haired assistant to Dr. Mandel, chief medical examiner, or aging hippie, it didn't matter. One thing his forays into the Oneida Reservation and talks with the Indians taught him was that you can lose yourself in nature because when you look around, the world ages very slowly and you can never know at what age you are just by the way the earth looks. In that way, we all live as long as the earth does, which is a very long time. That made Ralph feel very good. That was why he loved spending time with the people of the reservation, talking with his friends, sometimes watching the children play lacrosse or enjoying the natural beauty of their authentic wooden longhouse, and talking with his best friend in the reservation, James Stevens Weaver. Ralph identified with the Indians because of his own Jewish ancestry. They were both of a people who were oppressed, and at one time a national program was instituted to eliminate them from the earth. Fortunately, the Jews had other nations on their side, fighting against the Nazis, where young America had the rest of the world on its side against the Indians. Ralph exhaled fully and then put the roach out in a small clay dish he had bought on a hiking trip in Vermont, just as the phone began to ring. It was Rob calling about the samples Ralph had sent. Let me have it, Rob, Ralph said, staring glassy-eyed out at the rain. Is it still raining there? Rob asked every time. Still raining. I think it's actually getting worse, if you could believe that. Makes it hard to hike, huh? I guess you're missing some prime hiking time before winter, Rob said. He was always fascinated with Ralph's hobby. Yeah, it's pretty goddamn frustrating. Yeah, it's pretty goddamn frustrating, Ralph said, glad to bitch to someone who actually cared. He could have talked about his hiking and communing with nature for hours, especially when he was high, but his focus was on the results. What did you find? I think this is pretty good, he said, clearly excited. Nothing on the killer himself, but those fibers contained other hairs, dog hairs. All of the bodies had dog hair, and they matched each other. They're from a golden retriever. Do you know how many people have golden retrievers? Yeah, well, it's a start for your detective. If you have any suspect, I'd see if they own a dog. What about the psychiatrist? Did he say anything? Betty said she'd look at your summary. I'll call her tomorrow. What happened to that other guy? Donald, Rob asked. He left to go to Buffalo. His fiance has family there. He got a job with a private practice. Going to the other side, out of government work. Yeah, well, he's a talented doctor. 
Yeah, and talented doctors don't hang around in small towns, Ralph said, playing with the dead joint. You said it, I didn't. I know, I'm happy here. I have everything I need, except the spectrophotometer. He always had to bring up the spectrophotometer. And that's why I have you. True. I'm getting a new one very soon, my friend, and then I won't need you. Promises. I'll fax you the report right now. They hung up and Ralph dialed Carlton's cell number. He was on his way back from meeting with Francine at the library, so he'd stop by. Ralph cleaned up and sprayed a little scented Lysol around his desk. Carlton was well aware of his habits, but he didn't want to put it in his face. He was downstairs getting the faxed report when Carlton came in. The report didn't have anything useful to say except for the information about the dog hairs. Although Ralph didn't think it was important at first, Carlton convinced him that it was. This is good info, Carlton said, sitting down to the workstation. Ralph leaned on the desktop. Nothing yet? No ideas? Nothing yet, Carlton looked hurt by the question. He flipped through the report. Let me get a photocopy of this. Take it, the copier doesn't work, Ralph said. What the hell does work around here? We have a very tight budget. Right, Carlton said, folding the report and putting it in his pocket. He stood up and looked out the door. Do you want to go with me to the mayor's office? He wanted me to stop by on my way back from the library. Do I have to? Carlton cocked his head and shrugged. He might ask me questions I can't answer. I find it very unlikely, Ralph said. Just come on, Carlton said, heading for the door. Ralph wanted to ask him if he had thought more about their last conversation. Carlton looked like he was a little more distressed since lunch, but it may have been the weather getting him down, just like everyone else. On the car ride to Paul's office in Carl's patrol car, Ralph decided he needed to try one more time to see if he had thought any more about their conversation in the diner. I don't want to spoil it for you, Ralph, but there's no one around here knows what happened except me and you, Carlton said. Ralph knew that was not exactly true. The Indian reservation was abuzz about it for many years after Ted and Helen Lalo died. They, like Ralph, were good friends to the Indians. Ralph had liked both of them very much. He tried to get Carlton to open his mind over the years to what the Oneida had gone through with Ted's family, but he never wanted to talk about it. There are more people who know Carl, Ralph said. The Indians all suspected. Yeah, well, I hope you didn't go blabbing your mouth about it, he said. I didn't have to. Everyone knows. Even people in town, just nobody talks about it. And neither will we. Ralph steeled up his courage to confront his friend. Over the years, Carlton and he had become close. Tragedy can do that to people, and Ralph was always there for Carlton and Joyce. He felt he'd adopted them after Ted and Helen died. Carl, how's the drinking? Have you tried to cut down? This coming from you, a pothead? I know, I know, but remember, I wasn't the one who came to you for help to try to quit, remember? Yeah, well, I had issues then. Family problems. Yeah, you could say that, Ralph said. Carlton always understated everything. I just want you to keep your options open and don't let the drinking get in the way. You could be so stubborn sometimes, Carl. Fuck it, Ralph, Carlton said, pulling up to Paul's office in town. Hardly anyone was around because of the rain. Most businesses closed down for the day already. We talked about this already. I got you. I don't know where to start, but I'll try to see what I can do. Start by finding a suspect with a dog, Ralph said trying to lighten up the mood. He knew that Paul's office was the last place Carlton ever wanted to be. It made his usually bad mood even worse. Life had dealt Carl a bad blow, but his karma was probably set from the day he walked into the police force in Canyon Park, although Ralph would never tell him that. It would be too cruel. Let's get this over with, Carl said. Inside the mayor's office, almost everyone had gone, except the young man whose loyalty for the mayor was unfathomable. Greg acted as an intern, receptionist, personal assistant, and unofficial vice mayor. Greg told them to go right into Paul's office. They found him wrestling with a fax machine by his desk. 
Paul was one of those people whom any piece of technology might as well be a nuclear reactor. He'd never understand any of it, and he never wanted to understand it, because he had Greg. Carl, what the hell is going on with the investigation, Paul said, starting right away. This afternoon we're talking about it, like it's all under control, and I get back to the office and I got all these messages from Joe Lalo saying he hasn't heard a thing from you in days. What the hell, Paul? Carlton was clearly annoyed. What am I supposed to do? I'll have someone call when I get something. The mayor handed the papers to Greg, who went to the fax machine and sent them on their way without a problem. I'll never figure that thing out. Everything I put in it gets stuck. Greg flapped the papers at Paul on his way out the door. You have to put them in one at a time. There's too many here, he said and closed the door behind him. What's the problem, Ralph asked. He hated how Paul and Carlton were always at each other. Carlton had no patience for Paul, and Paul was simply uncouth. The problem is that I have Lalo's calling me every day looking for some answers, and I can't give him any. I can't keep playing games here, Paul said. He was sweating from his thinning hairline, the wetness also apparent under his arms. Games, Carlton said. Remember this afternoon? Forget it, Paul said. Carlton, we have to get something quick. The only thing I can tell them is that we think the killings are related somehow, but we're not sure why. It's not something I can keep from them for long. They find out everything eventually. I don't want to have egg on my face if they don't find out from me. Fine, Carlton said more calmly than Ralph thought he'd be. You can tell them. Also tell them that we think this killer owns a dog, a golden retriever. Tell them Ralph found that out. Paul looked excited. That's good, good. What else? Nothing, that's it, Carlton said. Okay, good. Paul sat at his desk, ready to pounce on his phones. Keep me updated. I want daily reports so I can tell them what you're doing. I was down at the library, too. I asked Francine to look up some public records on the places that the murders took place. Paul made a face to say he wasn't impressed. I'll keep you updated, Carlton said. He went to the door. Bye, Paul, Ralph said, glad he didn't have to explain anything to the mayor. Ralph, help this man out, will you? I need him to report to me every day. You don't know what I go through with these lalos. They yell at me when I tell them I haven't heard anything from Carl. Ralph just shook his head, walked out, and closed the door behind him. He realized that all the tools at his disposal meant shit. No one really cared. All they wanted was for it to stop. He stuck his hand in his pocket and felt the familiar crinkle of paper and the gritty specks of leaf. He fingered the joint, anticipating the time he could relax back in his office and smoke it. by Lon S. Cohen. To find out more, please visit www.coenside.blogspot.com. This patio book is a production of Zilco Studios. <laughs> this production is a production. <laughs> okay.